Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. There are lots of graphs that'll show you how politics has changed. Graphs, for example, that track views on gay marriage, graphs that show how the South slowly shifted over the past century from Democratic-leaning to Republican-leaning. But those graphs reflect how politics has changed. They don't change politics. 60 years ago, though, a graph began to do just that. It was created by Charles Keeling, a young man originally from Scranton, Pennsylvania, who happened to have a PhD in chemistry. Keeling figured out a reliable way of measuring something that hadn't been systematically measured before, carbon dioxide. And 60 years ago, he began a graph that quite literally changed how we think about our world. Because in the 1950s, scientists wanted to know, was the level of carbon dioxide in the air on the rise? There was reason to think that it should be, but it hadn't been demonstrated. That's Charles Keeling's son, Ralph. And he says 200 years of factories belching smoke into the air had, of course, not escaped the notice of scientists. But they didn't really know how it was changing the planet. So in 1958, Charles Keeling's carbon dioxide measuring contraption was installed on the Mauna Loa volcano on the big island of Hawaii. Mauna Loa is truly otherworldly. It's uh, a lava scape that goes on for miles and miles. It's a very strange place. It's a very remote place. Ralph Keeling says his dad needed a place like that, that was away from the influence of trees and of pollution. And a volcano in the middle of the Pacific turned out to be just right. What those measurements on Mauna Loa revealed was that carbon dioxide was building up in the air, though at the time, hardly anybody cared. Still, if Keeling wanted to draw serious conclusions from what was happening, he knew he would have to keep tracking the gas to see if there was a real pattern. Ralph Keeling, Charles's son, who went on to earn a PhD himself, has now taken over much of his late father's work at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in San Diego. And he says, it soon became evident that something dramatic was happening in the atmosphere. Past levels of carbon dioxide could be measured by looking at Antarctic ice, which has trapped air bubbles in it from long ago. So scientists had some idea of where we'd been. So for about the last million years, carbon dioxide levels have uh, swung between a low of around 200 and a high of around 280. And by the time Charles Keeling started measuring in the 1950s, the Industrial Revolution had been going full tilt in much of the Western world for more than a century. Well, when he started uh, the measurements, the levels in the atmosphere were around 315 parts per million. A part per million means that one molecule out of a million molecules. So 315 means that out of a million molecules in air, 315 are carbon dioxide. So and since then, it's gone from 315 to nearly 410 parts per million. It's increasing now at about two and a half parts per million per year. Uh, some years a little more, some years a little less, but uh, it's been pretty relentless when you look at over the long haul. So all of a sudden, a world that had had a million years of CO2 levels hovering between 200 and 280 parts per million was by the 1950s already over 300. And Charles Killing watched that number march upwards every year. The graph that he created to track CO2, it became famous. It was called the Keeling Curve. And as the curve became more well-known, a few people outside the world of science started taking note 
of his work. Senator Burdick, I appreciate your courtesy in allowing me to appear here as a, a witness. In the 1970s, a representative from Tennessee named Al Gore held hearings on climate change. By the mid-80s, Gore himself, as you heard, was called before a Senate subcommittee to testify as an expert witness. Uh, modern man has acquired the ability through technology to catastrophically modify the fragile atmosphere of our planet. Sitting near Gore at that hearing was probably the most famous scientist in the country. Next witness is Dr. Carl Sagan of Cornell University, a man who needs no introduction. He comes to us today from the Center for Radiophysics and Space Sciences. We welcome you and we're very pleased that you would take the time out of your schedule to come to a place like Washington where everything seems to be living in today and not in tomorrow to share with us your particular view of how our past and our present uh, may well affect our future. Carl Sagan had become convinced that rising CO2 levels threatened the Earth. Because the effects occupy more than a human generation, there is a uh, tendency to uh, say that they uh, are not our problem. Uh, of course, then they are nobody's problem. Uh, not on my tour of duty, not on my term of office. It's something for the next century. Let the next century worry about it. But the problem is that uh, there are effects, and the greenhouse effect is one of them, which have long time constants. If you don't worry about it now, it's too late later on. And much as Sagan predicted, politicians and the American public didn't prioritize this so-called greenhouse effect, which initially did not surprise Charles Keeling all that much, according to his son, Ralph. I do know, I remember one of the first talks I heard him give, this is back in the 70s, I was an undergraduate at the time, uh, and he talked about how uh, as temperatures warmed up, there would be periods of denial because the the temperature rise wouldn't be uniform, there would be hiatuses, <laughs> um, but that uh, at some point you would move beyond one of these uh, fluctuations that was offsetting the increase and see a, what would appear to be a spike increase. And uh, he expected that once temperatures really moved outside of the natural range, that there would be political will to do something about it. Um, and so I think, I think he was a little surprised at the stagnation. Charles Keeling died in 2005, and his son says his dad's work tracking carbon dioxide has been an inspiration in his own life. I mean, inspiring in the sense that you look at this and say, wow, that's got to be important. And uh, like many others, I ended up uh, making career choices based on an, an awareness of the, the potential and the, the obvious importance of that record. So it really defined a whole broad agenda for the community to start dealing with climate change, realizing that it was an incontrovertible fact that CO2 was building up and would, would, would be affecting climate at some point. As Ralph Keeling has watched the political debate about climate change continue, his feelings have been mixed. Well, certainly as a citizen, it's disheartening that more hasn't been done to try to curtail the use of fossil fuels, which is the, the main cause of the rise and therefore of the climate change. I would say as a, as a scientist, it's exciting times, and so uh, when you discover something new about the planet, even if it's bad news, it's still exciting. So my career choice was guided by 
the excitement of discovery, and that excitement hasn't gone away as we continue to burn fossil fuels. So in a kind of a perverse way, I benefit from the problem. The good news, he says, is that levels of CO2 will fall. Eventually, we're going to run through the fossil fuels on the planet. Things will stabilize. The only question is whether humans will be around to see that happen. And between now and then, he says, there could be some serious upheaval. I think the potential impact on the less well-to-do on the planet, particularly in other countries, is the most concerning element of this. And when you think about the impact, what, what kind of impact are you thinking about? I'm thinking about climate refugees. I'm thinking about the displacement of hundreds of millions of people. That scares me. Ralph Keeling is program director of the Scripps CO2 program at the University of California, San Diego. The program was begun 60 years ago by his father, Charles Keeling, to measure the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. We will have pictures of Charles Keeling and the station on Mauna Loa, which is still conducting measurements. And we will link to a recent NOVA program called Decoding the Weather Machine, where you can see more about the work of Charles Keeling. That's all at innovationhub.org.